What's up, everybody? I'm Val, joined by my host, Emmy. Hello! Oh, I had to get a new phone I told you about. Right. I know, that sucks ass. Yeah. Um, And the thing is, I was like, okay, Val, I got a case coming in the mail. So I waited till the day it's supposed to get here to activate it. And then I get a message from Amazon saying it's actually coming tomorrow. So I'm like, well, now I have to raw dog my phone for the rest of today (laughs) and then at work tomorrow. Yeah. Do you at least have like a screen protector? I was supposed to be here with it. No. (laughs) Yeah, man. Getting COVID sucked. And I feel like I've been trying to catch up ever since. Yeah, no, the COVID lungs are no joke. Dude, like the <laughs> the diminished capacity for me to be able to take a deep breath is like really crazy on top of just the the like absolute brain fog that I have. Like I just get so yeah. tired so fast and I just get so confused. <laughs> and it's like so obnoxious. But I'm glad that like my taste and smell and stuff aren't affected, honestly. Even now, like if I'm in bed sometimes and try to take a deep breath, like I'll still get those spasms, you know what I mean? Yeah. In my chest. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Whack. Or if someone just like threw a bunch of asbestos in there. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like literally talking to my coworker today and I just started coughing. I just started dying mid word and I don't know what happened. Oh, I saw the new Insidious movie. Oh my God. I did too. What did you think? I think it was probably the best one so far. It um, was great. <laughs> my thing though, that like Carter and I cannot let go of is Rose Byrne divorced Patrick Wilson without telling him his memories when his life clearly wasn't turning out how it should have they kept that con going for 10 years she should have told him like when it clearly wasn't working as intended right but then she like just divorced him and his life is ruined he doesn't know why his like family hates him right she literally gave them (laughs) depression and she was like that must that could not definitely be the cause of every single problem they're having now yeah I just thought it was like the funniest thing I'm like yeah Mm -hmm. he wasn't best guy obviously but Mm -hmm. the fact that they just like let him like think he's schizophrenic instead of tell him what happened yeah. because he could always decide to forget it again like if he's like oh I'm so mad you guys told me I'd rather mm-hmm. not know just do the hypnosis again and then be like all right I tried but she just let him <laughs> deteriorate mm-hmm. for 10 years and didn't say anything mm-hmm. yeah Brendan and I were making fun of when the of when Dalton he like hangs up the new like blackened picture or something like that and he goes like, you have to, or it's like, you you can't forget what hurts you or whatever. It's like, you still have to remember. Me and Brendan were like, oh God. And like the fact too, that they had Patrick Wilson, the dad, yeah. the fact that they had Patrick's dad in it and it was some grand pivotal thing, but you only see him for like maybe 
like 60 seconds of screen time, no dialogue, no context. How did he get there? And two, oh my God, see, it's all coming back to me now. (laughs) I was so mad that they didn't do more with the bathroom ghost. Like they didn't even get to him. Like they they literally failed. Yeah, like that was some good scares too when he's like throwing up on him like when they go back it's like he gets scared and then comes back to her Mm. and then you don't see the ghost again don't they just kind of get out of there and she's like we can't be doing this it's like you told me we should be doing this (laughs) right like literally and then and then it just they really like the movie was really good and it was super fun and it definitely scared me and Brendan a couple times and it really does make yeah. me feel like number two and number three don't exist anymore. It's just Insidious 1, Insidious Red Door. That's it. But they created so many more questions because the bathroom ghost yelling something like close the door, that literally implies that he came through the door. So did he come through the door and now he's doomed to relive like his death and stuff in a really exaggerated (laughs) way? And he's like, Dalton, close the fucking door. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What happened to the bathroom ghost? Like, we don't even know his name. (laughs) Like. I do like how they showed a frat, but was like, this is like all the reasons wrong with them versus like, yes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I thought that was good. And I like the fact too that like the the creepy guy was just like an absolute wimpy nerd. And he was like, they're trying to take away our brotherhood and like nobody liked it. I went to see The Blackening. What is that? It's a horror comedy with all POC cast was awesome. Um, It's on Amazon home release now. I don't know if it's still in theaters. I caught a matinee like a week ago and I think it's kind of at the end of the theatrical run, but Mm -hmm. I would recommend that. That one was good. Cool. Oh, I think I do know what you're talking about. I just haven't seen anything about it for a while. I thought Mm -hmm. it was worth it. If you and Brendan are like looking for a movie night in, Mm -hmm. that one was good. Absolutely. I saw my first baby, a knoll at work uh, last week. That was also great. Uh, yeah, it was really cute. It makes me so happy to see that they're still like reproducing and stuff. How did they survive the winter here? Greenhouses. Oh, really? Yeah, they live inside of uh, two of our greenhouses. They literally move around the garden. Uh, that is crazy. It's like a little mm-hmm. micro population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100 percent yeah it's like a micropopulation of brown florida anoles and they only survived there literally because of the greenhouses we had a whole family of groundhogs um i helped raise a baby bird by hand again that was um (laughs) like one day brendan was picking me up from work and he was like you know i'm here i'm ready and i was like you know, five minutes and me, Zuma and his son, Zeon, ran all the way to the neighbor's house to be like, can we please go in your yard? There's a baby bird, but it's not on our property. It's on yours. (laughs) 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 It was, it was really, really cute. It ended up being the the really funny part was Zuma and Zeon thought it was a cardinal. And when she was like, like a, a nestling, she looked like a cardinal. Um, but she wasn't. She was a cowbird. They're one of those birds that will lay their eggs in other birds' nests. 
Oh my god, no yes. way. We accidentally saved a parasitic bird. Yeah. <laughs> it probably got kicked out because it didn't match everybody else. Exactly. I was like, holy shit. The reason that she was left behind in the nest is because she wasn't a fucking cardinal. That's some like colonialism vibes you have Bro, going on there. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, did we really just get like tricked by this little baby bird? Because she really had all of us <laughs> in the palm of her little fucking wing. Like we were obsessed. And she was like, oh, I'm so cute, aren't I? Let me just do a little tweet tweet and hop around on your shoulder. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> Literally outsmarted by a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was mad. I was so mad. But she was so cute, dude. She was so cute and she was so sweet. She was really smart. And she would literally follow all of us around. And she could tell who worked there and who who didn't. We also had a family of groundhogs. And I love groundhogs so goddamn much. And um, at work, it was like a mom. And she was huge. And uh, she was probably, she was like bigger than your cats, for sure. And um. And she had two little babies and they would just like follow each other around and the babies would like bumble over each other. And it was so cool because there was a point where I accidentally got too close to them and the babies didn't see me. They were just doing baby things. But the mom like stood up and then she whistled so loud and they all went off running. It was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I just finished my large carbonated caramel drink too, so I'm ready. Oh, good. Good luck. <laughs> As you know, I subscribe to Shudder, and I guess just so in case the listener doesn't know what it is, aka my mom, uh, it's a horror movie streaming service. And I find there's not a lot of quality control going on on this app where some of the movies have been surprisingly good and some have been not so good, to say the least. Oh, my God. Val, can I just say one thing? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so um, months ago, like six months ago, I was also (laughs) subscribed to Shudder. They don't have a good rating system. And they don't provide, like, any context for a lot of the movies they have up there. Yeah. I watched a movie. I'm not even going to say the title because I don't want people to look it up. I really don't. (laughs) I watched a movie, a horror movie, and I didn't watch horror true crime i didn't watch anything negative i barely even <laughs> listened to some bands because i was so traumatized for like four months <laughs> i didn't watch like a single scary movie or anything i was like brendan i literally can't handle this right now was it speak no evil no oh because uh, that heard- one was intense yeah, I've heard that one is really intense. Okay, well, so you can edit it out. Just put like a big like beep, you know. Okay. Like a... Oh my god, I think I I haven't seen it, but I think I've seen don't, it on there. Don't do not. I'm serious. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like like this isn't like a haha. Don't watch it because it's icky. It will literally ruin your day. I will if I think about it too hard, I start to feel ill. 
I was so traumatized for so long. I was like upset, like viscerally upset. And then I canceled my subscription to Shudder. <laughs> and then I just actually got a subscription to AMC and AMC partners with Shudder. So technically, I have <laughs> Shudder again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful. They have anything they want up there. Yeah, I usually look up the parental mm-hmm. information on a lot of movies before I watch them because mm-hmm. they don't give spoilers per se. And if they yeah. do, I know that I don't want to watch it. <laughs> right. And it's like, I understand that Shudder is a website for people that love horror, but like, we also still need ratings and information. Like, I'm not just going to sit and watch anything. I like monsters. You know, I'm pretty much someone who's down to watch anything. And I feel totally. like on Shudder, like, there's always more to the movie than what the description tells you. Yes. And there's one movie that I might talk about another time. Yeah. So I don't want to, like, give this as an example. But okay. there's always just something you're not expecting. I was on Shudder and I was going to watch it with my roommate, Chris. And I came across this movie called Stay Out of the Effing Attic, released oh. in 2020. Directed and partly written also by Jaron Lauder. And it's a movie about a group of movers who realize their client is not who they say they are. At the 2020 Atlanta Horror Film Festival, this movie won Best Feature Film. I describe the genre as general horror with practical effects that convey gore and specifically body horror, medical horror. But there are some comedy elements and really likable characters. And when I give you the plot summary, though, you'll see that the cheese factor in this movie is so high. The movie begins with a group of movers who also happen to be ex-cons. And the name of their company is Second Chance Movers. Their names are Imani, Albert, and Carlos, with Albert being the team leader of the crew. Carlos is the newest team member, saying that he wants to work and start a college fund for his daughter. It's relevant to the themes of the movie to note that Albert is the only white person in the crew. He's also open with them that he's a former member of a white supremacist prison gang, but rejects that lifestyle now. The three movers are contracted by an older man named Vern, who offers them four times their rate to move the contents of his creepy Victorian-style mansion in one night, except Vern states that he will handle the attic in the basement himself, and he's very firm about this. The crew talk it over and agree to try to pull an all-nighter in the mansion. However, as they're packing Vern's belongings, they become increasingly unsettled. When Carlos is boxing up books, a letter falls out of an antiquated medical book written by the Joseph Mengele. (laughs) (laughs) And he finds other Nazi materials and books. So he's understandably panicking and he tells Albert they need to leave right away. So they're trying to fight Imani, but Vern traps them in the house now that they know too much. And he captures Imani in his basement, a.k.a. in-home saw-style surgery room. No. Yeah. He removes one of her eyes for 
a Nazi youth serum that just works somehow. The movie does not shy away from the gore in the scene. Like, I had to look away. But it's not as over the top as, let's say, Terrifier. Vern shares that he has experiments in the attic that are released to capture the movers. However, Carlos and Albert win over one of the girls whose twin is sewn to her body. It basically looks like a Hills Have Eyes kind of gang creeping around the house trying to get the movers. Are they going to fall in love? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Vern shoots Albert and Carlos runs into an empty room to hide. Vern finds him, knocks on the door, and tells Carlos that, oops, you're hiding in my personal gas chamber room. And he turns on the gas. Oh, shit. So Carlos manages to break down the door, but we see him fall to the ground not too long after. Albert wakes up after being shot in the basement OR. And Vern tells him that he's saving him because he is a member of the Brotherhood. He's like, I love your tattoo. Oh, Imani, (laughs) she's not dead yet, but she's missing an eye. She's strapped to a separate operating table across the room, listening to their conversation. Vern notes that Albert's Nazi tattoo is so pristine and it denotes such a high rank that Albert must have gotten it prior to going to prison because it's better than some bad prison tattoo. So this shocks Imani. And Vern also reveals that he is actually Joseph Mengele, who somehow <laughs> survived on this IU serum. I'm and hooting. the reason <laughs> the reason for his sudden move is that he's killed too many people in town and the cops are on to him. <laughs> I literally like I'll get oh, into you. this later. But oh, it's Joseph. like <laughs> They didn't need to take it as far as he is Joseph Mengele. Like, the fact that he was just, like, a Nazi fanatic, like, that was fine. But That was literally fine. Like, he could have been a relative. Because this is also modern day. So it's like, yes, I have survived for years on this IU serum. Albert convinces Mengele to release him by appealing to his Nazi beliefs, but... When he gets out, he actually frees Imani while subduing Mangala. Albert takes a knife and slices off his own large Nazi eagle tattoo on his chest in front of him. Nice. Yeah, that part is pretty gory, too. As he's leaving, the creatures are kind of about to pounce on Mangala. What's interesting, I find, in this movie is, in classic Marvel movie fashion, the movie has a few post-credit scenes, which I don't even know if that's necessary what? for a Shudder original, but the scenes include Carlos waking up outside the gas chamber room, and another scene with Carlos, Albert, and Imani walking away from the house to show that they all survived the night. That's kind of so- surprising. Yeah, right? Like, that was different. Yeah. I guess getting into my review portion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what I had to write was, that wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen by any means. (laughs) (laughs) I thought Imani and Carlos were such tangible, enjoyable characters, because I feel like we can all relate to somebody 
who has maybe made a few mistakes and is working hard to turn their life around. Mm-hmm. And they were just really funny throughout the movie, like the way they were reacting to what was around them. It was just so relatable. <laughs> it almost felt like they weren't acting. But where the movie loses me a little bit, like I already said, it took me out of the universe when they made Vern be the actual Joseph Mengele instead of just some regular white supremacist extremist. Mm-hmm. It was just a bit of a stretch for me. But I did think the gore in this movie was enough to disturb, but wasn't too much. Like, I'm just still traumatized from Terrifier when the eye is hanging out of her head. Like, <laughs> that is just <laughs> enough for me. Yeah, honestly, I only saw the first Terrifier, and I don't even think I finished it because I hated it so deeply. Yeah, that's definitely... I don't get why people like it. Oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would I respect people who like the movie, but I truly think that it is a deficit on the horror community as a whole. <laughs> yeah, like that's when I feel like would be fun to do sometime and yeah. just tear it apart. Oh my god, yes, it can be a joint collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd recommend watching this if you're looking for something to watch with a group of friends that has a few good scares, like the reveals that they're actually working for a Nazi was pretty surprising as the audience and you don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a Scooby-Doo chase style movie where they're hiding (laughs) throughout the house from him. Oh, like a survival horror instead of like a action horror. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I would watch it one more time. I guess one could say it was cohesive from start to finish. A Until little it got to Mangala. Yeah, it was a little cheesy, but just looking for a night in kind of stoned. It wasn't mm. bad. Definitely, one thing I like to say is, is it better than The Forest? Yes. So that's kind of my, is a movie good or is a movie bad scale? (laughs) The bar is so low. The American movie set in Japan about Aikohara. Oh my god, yep. Fucking cultural appropriation, the movie. So that's kind of my scale, is is something... (laughs) tolerable or is it don't even waste your time (laughs) yes oh I like that a lot because sometimes I might want to waste my time on something that's slightly Mm -hmm. better than the forest that's pretty much what I had for that Mm -hmm. movie that's so funny oh my god I'm definitely adding it to my list yeah I remember I've definitely seen the title before but I did just assume that it was like a horror comedy and those aren't necessarily my favorite Yeah, it definitely was more horror than comedy. The only Mm. comedy aspect was maybe a couple lines here and there. But even then, it wasn't like, LOL, funny. It was Mm -hmm. more of like, well, that's relatable, like moving this creepy guy stuff. It's like it's like an ironic kind of humor. It's not like actual humor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I can definitely handle that. And especially, too, when a movie kind of makes up for it with, like, the gore factor or, like, a really cool monster, then I can, like, kind of handle it better. 
yeah, like it would probably be hilarious for you to show that to Brendan with no context. And then he's like, mm-hmm. wait, it's the Joseph Mengele? <laughs> I'm going to do that. No warning. I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to put it on and be like, oh, what a fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I watch so much YouTube. I am deeply, deeply entrenched in YouTube culture. And YouTube culture is internet culture, and internet culture is SCP. An SCP is an acronym, but it's also definitely a noun and adjective, for sure. But it's also an acronym. And what it stands for traditionally is secure, contain, protect. And so secure, the SCP, contain the SCP, and protect humanity. But what it really is, is like an like the whole idea of SCPs, cryptids, monsters, foundations, secret societies, the whole thing is actually a collaborative writing project that's technically a platform now because they have their own like wiki page. But it started as people basically spitballing these stories, these ideas. Um, and they're essentially different cryptids. But of course, it's like a little bit more nuanced than that because eventually it really took life all on its own. It's a collaborative writing platform that became an ever-growing cyclical conglomerate centered around anomalous creatures, objects, people, all under the seeming control of the foundation. And the fun part that I love, and I'm just going to keep saying this about stuff I'm talking about, because even the foundation is technically classified as an SCP. Like, like SCP stories in themselves are technically SCPs. It's ridiculous and very convoluted, and I am a huge, huge fan. So right now in the SCP universe, there are eight series. They're kind of broken up that way. Kind of like, like I wanted to say they're kind of like seasons of like a TV show, but actually I think they're more similar to like the different series of Pokemon because they're like set up in like different like waves, I guess. And that's really similar to this. It seems like there's a lot of people, they spitball these stories, people work on the stories together, and eventually it just keeps getting more and more solidified. And then eventually it's part of like the canon of the SCP universe, and it becomes SCP-019, whatever, whatever. And, and the other thing I like, too, is that the stories and the whole idea is highly immersive, and it's really purposeful the way that they intertwine the stories with things that are kind of believable within our own reality. A lot of it, you really don't even necessarily have to, like, totally suspend your disbelief. Um, some of the things you definitely do, but some of the things, like, um, oh, oh, I should look it up, but it's an SCP, and I thought this one was so spooky and because it's not even necessarily harmful, but it's it's threatening only by its presence. It's an SCP, and it's like this little monster that's maybe like four feet tall. It has no eyes, just a really big smile. It's like pale. It's like mildly humanoid. And all it does is stand quietly, except for like a little bit of breathing, maybe. It stands almost silently, right outside of a door you need to get through. Just right outside. 
and it inspires like such deep fear within the person that it's like quote unquote targeting that there were like stories of people like uh like dying from dehydration because the scp was standing outside of like a closet door or like there was one where um it followed like um a foundation doctor home to her apartment and it stood right outside of the shower curtain and she was stuck in her shower for like six hours like it's just <laughs> right it's like little things like that so that's the thing you know it's like so many wikipedias it's really really interesting but um the one that i'm talking about right now is scp-303 nicknamed the doorman and it manifests behind doors and other objects that obscure its appearance when in the presence of a sentient observer and then it like i think its aura like causes people to get really stressed out and really scared so you're less likely to approach it so you can't see it but then you just end up trapped in your own fear and trapped in whatever room you're in i think it's really fascinating because it's one thing to have like a monster hunting you and then eating you and it's like oh, okay like a cryptid but it's one other thing to have just like a real physical monster that's just gonna like breathe threateningly and that's gonna like kill a bunch of people that's awesome <laughs> and so like scp stories in general can range from like something like uh i think there's like a printer that prints puppies or there's like telephones that absorb people or there's all these like interdimensional ones. It literally ranges from like your stereotypical horror. Like I think technically um, in canon in the SCP universe, Mothman is an SCP. You know, it's kind of like things like that where it's like things that are already so colloquially known and then they're like, let's make it an SCP. Let's make it something else. So it's not just a cryptid, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. In a way, it's almost like, another way to explain the existence of this thing this story this presence you know or even like uh like a weather event there's probably an scp for that how much would i bet that there's a slender man scp oh my god there there literally must be where's chrome yep um scp-582 <laughs> did you hear about the attempted murder regarding Slenderman? Oh, the stabbing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, weren't we, like, similar ages to the girls when that happened, or were we older? I thought it was early 2000s, so we probably were the same age about. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. I thought that was, like, intense. Uh, 2014. Yeah, so... And can yeah. you believe she survived? Oh, my God. She's so lucky. I'm... It's, like, it's a relief that she survived for the sake of her but also too like for the sake of the I mean like I I feel kind of bad for the girls that perpetrated it because they were so mentally ill like I've even watched the interrogations and it's like really it's really wild and it's really scary how much she like believed what was happening yeah like I'm not sure about the girl Anissa but mm. I know they diagnosed Morgan with schizophrenia. So yeah, it's just, it is crazy and yeah. sad. I think too about how, 
how much I loved creepypastas and how much like I was engaging in that same exact like kind of thing with like Slenderman and like Five Nights at Freddy's and like all of these different like horror especially like horror YouTube stuff and then that happened and I was like wow (laughs) that could have been like anybody the line really is drawn when they actually put the knife in their backpack when they're going into the woods yes like because they're 12 and 13 like I feel like at that age you're really not thinking about long-term consequences Mm -hmm. or anything like that and you might be like I know when I was younger I was reading those like true military story books like things like that so it's like and playing video games so you're not really distanced from violence per se but sure. the fact that they're like we're gonna do this and they mm-hmm. prepare for it versus like mm-hmm. kind of role-playing like we're mm-hmm. so tough and we're gonna worship slender man together you know like i feel like it really becomes distinct when they actually mm-hmm. take her out into the woods and there's a pre-attack too where they bash her head into a bathroom wall and yes. they're like oh you want to play hide and seek instead of like maybe we'll go through with this yeah 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 i mean there's a reason why like like mental health professionals they won't do too much if you're just talking about suicidal ideation but if you plan if you write anything down it's it's an immediate action there's like a reason for that it shows it shows a lot of intent just some of the friends that i had in like middle school and i'm like damn (laughs) if they were more mentally ill (laughs) fucking they would have I know it's it is scary because it's like how much can you do I mean it's all about preventative action and keeping an eye on exactly loved ones you know and like and the thing too I think that really got me was like like I understand Slenderman is like super like spooky and it was like super revolutionary like as far as like uh like horror went for the time but like it's I don't know like how do you like it's fake like it's fake like it's made up by the internet for the internet how does it become more and how do you prevent something like that yeah I really think it's partly mental illness and their age not being able to Mm. have the foresight that it's fake yeah to really you know like being in those like kind of fantasy worlds when you were younger like they feel real to you especially because they were loners so it's like oh like you have that almost as a coping mechanism oh yeah okay but just combining that with the mental illness I feel like really takes it to the extreme and Mm -hmm. yeah it becomes pretty disturbing when Mm -hmm. they go through with it because right you know you think they would just be like oh this isn't what we thought it was like look at all that blood you know right Which I think, like, when during, like, some of the interviews, one of them does basically kind of say that. She's like, I didn't realize that this was really going to happen. And then the other one is like, well, Mr. Slenderman. (laughs) It's it's sad. But, yeah, I mean, the girl is, like, really happy and successful now, which is amazing. And that also reminds me of, did you also, this happened in Massachusetts, Michelle Carter? Yep. That's, like, also what it makes me think of. 
oh really just kind of like because of the like phone usage and internet and the mental illness part of it like how culpable is she was she diagnosed with something you know i don't know that detail but she was in and out of um psych hospitals and she had i guess an extreme eating disorder at the time wow so there were like a lot of mental issues on both sides and i guess he had previous attempts they thought she might have been guilty of involuntary manslaughter when he did go through with it and Mm -hmm. i guess she had texts encouraging him but yep yeah, see that that's like the part that I I knew. Um there's <laughs> the funny part is like I'm not into true crime like I once was. So I don't necessarily yeah. look too deep into things anymore. Um so by the time the Michelle Carter stuff like happened, like I wasn't really paying attention. There's a band I listen to and I think they're really cool and they're called Skinned, S K Y N D and oh. they they very specifically make like like really crazy music about true crime oh wow! so it's like it's like they almost it's like they they'll take the story of of a serial killer or um my favorite one they did is for elisa lamb and oh um, yeah yeah so they'll like like for elisa lamb because i think i remember that one the best they basically will like like take her story for example and then they'll like kind of like tell the story in the music with the lyrics and stuff and it and it's really like loud and it has like metal elements they even have a song with jonathan davis and it's just kind of like it's like really spooky it's like horror core metal shit but not like rapping it's really good and you should look it up (laughs) i i will i like stuff like that yeah. yeah, I'm really into um mm-hmm. the legal aspect of a lot of things. Yes. Um, oh my god, I've that you know what? I've literally like <laughs> Brendan makes fun of me because lately I've been watching court proceedings and he's like, yes, is this I love those. He's like, is this why you won't snuggle me? Because you're watching <laughs> somebody get evicted? <laughs> and I'm yes. like Brent, I'm like, Brendan, those are two isolated things. I just <laughs> happen. <laughs> to be watching a court proceeding <laughs> he was like why are you watching somebody zoom and I was like he's getting sued yeah no that is like my same special interest and Carter does the same thing where I'll be on like reddit for specific <laughs> things and cases and he'll be like Val literally what is that thread because it'll be so specific to <laughs> the issue mm-hmm and it'll be like not even that many followers, but so active. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. There's like a whole niche of YouTube where like lawyers will break down court proceedings. And you can find one for like regular law. You can find one for prosecutors, defenders. Um, there's a whole niche. And this is the one I don't like. There's a whole niche of like people that just really hate single moms. And I find that to be like fascinating in its own right. But I don't really consume the hating content. I'm just aware. <laughs> yeah. But um, the other thing I watch, too, is, like, like niche YouTubers who are, like, incredibly problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, not in the... I don't watch them to support them. I watch the people that react to them. 
<laughs> that is funny. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. YouTube is like the craziest little bubble. It's very strange. Yeah, one thing I also find fascinating is I'll look at prison registries <laughs> and see the correlation between demographics what people are incarcerated for, how long they're incarcerated for. Um, like the fact that most of the people on death row aren't white. That's mm-hmm. pretty messed up. Oh my um, God. <gasps> there's two there's two things on Netflix and they should still be there. One of them is, um, I think it's called like, I am a killer. Yeah, I've seen, you s- well, I haven't watched it, but I, I've seen it on there. I recommend that so wholeheartedly. Some of them are really hard to watch, but like you, I really recommend it. It is, that is like what true crime and journalism is like supposed to be. Um, And the other one is, I I don't remember if it's like a full documentary or if it's like a two-parter or something, but there's like a series on the Innocence Project. Yeah. They were really, really good. They were incredibly eye-opening okay do you want to continue on your scp oh goodness yeah so i was talking about just scps in general so basically in the scp universe you have like the scps which are basically the term that's been sort of adopted and like colloquialized into the term used for the things that the foundation which is like their illuminati it's like this big overarching business slash research slash military slash science slash like whatever and it's like this super secret business or whatever this force that are the people who keep all of these little critters contained and sort of like in check it's like um I was listening to this one video today just talking about SCPs and the analogy they used or example I guess was really really good like you know the movie Cabin in the Woods yeah it's like that. It's like when they find the elevator and they go down and they see the hundreds and hundreds of vaults of different monsters. It's like the same thing. And so you have the foundation and the foundation is where all of these documents are being written about the SCPs that they're finding essentially in the wild. It's like all of these people are always looking at news stories at different parts of, I think usually the US, but I think there are like a lot of international SCPs as well. Like um, there's actually an SCP code for the Mananangdal, which I thought was really fun. Ooh. Yeah. And so it, it's really neat. Um, And the thing, too, that I like is that, like, you'll have an SCP, you'll have, like, what it actually is, and then any nickname it has, and then it has, like, different classifications, um, including um, these ones that are, like, safe, Keter, and Euclid, and so those are, like, the containment levels, Um, and, like, the, the thing that I always misconstrued was I thought that the level had to do with, like, the kind of SCP it was, but the level actually has to do with how difficult it is to contain the SCP and its properties. And so safe means that this SCP either doesn't need to be contained, it uh, doesn't have 
SCP sort of qualities or and it's not like a threat to humanity or it's just like you can put it in a box and just like leave it in a room and that's containment. And then Keter is um, SCPs that are very difficult or complex to contain and they're required to be kept by the SCP Foundation to protect humanity. Like it's like a requirement, like if this got out, it would kill like 10 people kind of thing. Um, and then Euclid is sort of the most, I would say like one of the more common classifications because a lot of these SCPs are definitely bad news bears. Um, and so Euclids are unpredictable and require some effort and thought to keep it contained. And so Euclid usually tends to be the one that I see the most. And then the less common ones, Thaumio, and that's like an anti-Keter. And I thought that was really cool because I'd never thought of that before. But like, um, for example, right, there's SCP-3000, which is called Anantashesha. And it's basically like a, like a 300 mile long eel, like as big as, um, oh shoot, uh, Jormungdur, which is like the ginormo fucking um, Ouroboros. Um, Oh god, that's so cool. But yeah, yeah, that's that's all I can kind of think of. Like um if you look up the newest God of War game, you'll get a really good example of the perspective that's in my noggin because they literally have like Jormander in that game and he's like a really integral part of like all the mythology and the character stories, but blah blah blah. Anyway, he's an awesome larger than life snake same size as what i imagine this eel to be and the important thing about this eel is that it's a it's a thaumiel and so that classification means that this scp's properties can be used to counteract the properties of other scps so that's why it's anti-keter it's something they can use to then contain these very difficult SCPs. And so um, SCP-3000 in particular has like, um, they call them like amnestic properties. And so it secretes this chemical that basically causes you to forget. And so they use it on their guinea pigs, which are um, like, they call them D-class personnel. And they could be like people who are incarcerated or like, you know, but usually they're like actual criminals, at least. I like to pretend that they're actual criminals, you know, because sometimes they all the stories are like so different. And so sometimes they do try to make you like sympathize with the D class because there's a lot of gray areas in the whole like morality of the foundation. But the D class are like what you would imagine to be like a bunch of Jane and John Doe's that are basically there to do testing and take notes and do all the things that the foundation needs them to do so that we can either contain the SCP, learn from the SCP, or unfortunately do testing with the SCP. Um, and so the thing that SCP-3000 creates will then be used to create the medicine, the amnestic, that is given to D-class personnel or anybody who encounters SCPs. It's basically their equivalent of the flashy memory thing from Men in Black. Oh. <laughs> but I <laughs> There's like- There's so much more to this than- <laughs> I even knew. I thought it was just like kind of creepy stories. Oh my god, dude. It's like a whole, it's almost like a whole society. And it's like every yeah. person who contributes to it is now a part of the foundation. It's really neat. And and the thing too that I really love about it is when it really started, and even as the stories are being made and being pushed further and further into canon, it's all by word. 
And so it's like all of these immersive medical reports. And then people on YouTube have been taking them and making their own artistic renditions of the SCP monster. Or um, like one of my favorite YouTube channels to watch is called The Volgun. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, he makes, in my opinion, what like the best SCP videos out there. The dedication, the voices, the editing, the everything. Like some of them have literally like made my skin crawl. Um, and now he's actually started to do 3D renderings of the monsters, and he does those on like YouTube Shorts, and it's really really fun. Cause that's the I think that's a really big part of the appeal of SCP is that when you first are introduced to these monsters and these stories, you have no idea what it looks like. And it's up to you, the viewer, to take that information and interpret it. And then it's kind of like your turn to contribute to the universe. SCP-3000 is Thaumiel. Um, I think technically, too, it would also be Keter, but it doesn't necessarily bother people. It's like, There's an overarching theme of existentialism, the universe, how small and fragile humans are, and how are there all these things that we can't necessarily control, but the foundation really, really does try. And so, like, like, um, SCP-3000 is one of those things that is there. It's confirmed to exist. The foundation knows about it. The foundation is keeping tabs on it, but the foundation can't actually do anything about it. And whether <laughs> it will or will not destroy our world is kind of yet to be seen. And you just kind of have to deal with that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, there are just a lot of things that, like, they just can't do anything about it's too big it's too powerful like there are all these like really gorgeous lovecraftian stories that have permeated the scp universe and like the whole thing about lovecraft is like you look into the void the void looks back at you you know like you done fucked up like you know (laughs) (laughs) and then there's another one just the final sort of less common classification um which is neutralized and i always just flat out assume that neutralized means dead but looking into it further it means that the scp either died was killed or destroyed or is no longer anomalous so it could still exist you know like like there's an scp i really enjoy um it's scp 145 and it is the man absorbing phone and I like that because I'm a huge fan of haunted objects. But yes. like, it would technically be neutralized if it no longer rang incessantly and tried to get people to answer it. You know, it, like if it just stopped being spooky and haunted, it would technically be neutralized, which I thought was yeah. actually kind of a nice little nuance. And then within the foundation itself, because a lot of the times when you're reading these reports, they're not necessarily from the point of view of the D-class personnel. They're usually about the D-class personnel from the point of view of the researchers who have basically given the D-class their task. And through the D-class, you know, going through with their task, you then learn about the SCP's anomalous properties. There are some times, too, where an SCP could be an entire town. It could be an animal. It could even be like a specific species of bird is like technically an SCP, but we just don't know. Only the foundation knows. It's like that kind of thing. And so it's literally like men in black. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. It's so it's so fun. And like there are like funny ones and silly ones. There are ones that are actually really sad. Like there's ones 
there's like one specific story I avoid on purpose and it's because I heard it was like devastating and it's it's about dragons and it's like Mm -hmm. about like like how dragons used to exist and how like it's kind of like one of those things where it's like um something happened that drove this innocent species into extinction and that always makes me super sad (laughs) right but it's it's really cool you know how how deep people can get with it because sometimes there are themes and morals that are presented through the SCP sometimes it's really blatant and sometimes it, it isn't sometimes it's super abstract and then sometimes it's just a spooky lizard so a couple other SCPs that I really enjoyed um, are SCP-3935 called This Thing A Quiet Madness Made, and that's a Euclid. And uh, I love this, especially when it's read by the Volgun, because it's about a town, specifically about a school, and it, it's almost like this, like, this, like, interdimensional haunted and it's almost kind of like the ground is alive with this power that keeps going in and out of our dimension and it's causing all of these errors and like where people are supposed to be like people are floating up into the sky people are phasing through the earth and then all of a sudden there are these like monsters and tunnels it's really really neat um I thought that one was very fun. And that one actually definitely gave me the heebie-jeebies. And then the one that I I listened to most recently that I thought was really fun um, was SCP-3333. And it's called um, Tower, but it's also called Skin Stealers. And it's a Euclid, but it was previously marked safe. So literally, if you go on the SCP wiki, the way that it's like detailed and structured out, if you like look up like SCP 3000, you'll have all of these tabs and it'll literally, it's so cute Val, because it'll literally be like, you have to have a five out of 3000 clearance, you know, to read this information. (laughs) And you'll be looking through and it's like redacted. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's really cool. It's just really creative people. It's just like, so dedicated. Yeah. So and this was previously marked safe, which basically implies that at one point, you know, they saw it, they knew it was an SCP, but it didn't do anything. So they thought it wasn't a threat. But then as more time passed, they realized that the anomaly was occurring the entire time, which is now why it's Euclid. And they actually created an entire task force to seek out the anomalies that like came from the tower. <laughs> it's like, Whoa. it's so cool. But just the idea, like it's just, it just adds another layer of immersion to have something that's like you know because it literally says classification safe crossed out and then next to it is euclid so it just implies (laughs) that moment of like they thought it was fine and then somebody had to go back with new information literally they add addendums and shit like it's just so fun it's really (laughs) fun like i i guess i've never really been one for role-playing but I've recently been in- introduced to the idea of ARGs, which is like alternate reality game, 
which is like role playing. And I would definitely argue that the SCP universe is an ARG, but all the ones that I see are like usually horror based, usually really, really abstract. There may be like 45 second long videos and it's just made by like average people. And they're usually like creepy. People will make like clues that lead to a bigger plot line and you can follow along through a series of videos. It's kind of like a, um, like an internet scavenger hunt. Like with the SCPs, it's almost like you're you're role playing as a researcher who's now part of this universe and you're gathering all this information. It's really fun. <laughs> when are you gonna write your first story? Oh my god, right? Probably be like, <laughs> I woke up and I was a bug. <laughs> okay, Kafka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's probably an SCP. Oh my god, he would love that stuff. I bet. <laughs> right just existentialism in existentialism and existentialism <laughs> wood fronds like creepy pasta <laughs> wwfd what would fronds do yeah <laughs> but yeah that's that's kind of what i have just as like uh, my overview, I wanted to include some vocab, but basically I told you everything you need to know to just enter the SCP universe yourself. I don't know if I want to. It's pretty fun. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm a scared. No, that does. It sounds so cool, though. That's There's way mm -hmm. more to it than I thought there was. I thought it was just kind yeah. of series of whew, excuse me i thought it was just mm -hmm. like series of kind of one-off mm -hmm. horror stories yeah yeah like i thought it was kind of like the x files where you have like yeah. all these different episodes but like they're connected but they're like not really connected but the more i listened to it the more i realized all of these things were like kind of part of the same universe um and what i like though is that i love things where i can be as shallow or as deeply entrenched as I want to be and so most of the time I don't even care about the lore I don't even care about any fine details like I just love listening to spooky stories like sometimes I just like a nice spooky monster and it's such a great way to find like new horror and new ideas too have a favorite one oh my god like a top favorite scp yes <laughs> That's hard. That's hard. Let me, let me real quick. So I always listen to the Volgun. And so he probably, there's a couple that I really enjoy. Like SCP-3000 was really fun. But I would say like a real classic for me is actually, um, is SCP-2316. It's called Field Trip. It's a Keter, right? And very, very specifically, it's like higher classification is called a cognito hazard. And so it's something that is like mind altering, brain affecting. Like if you're exposed to it for too long, all of a sudden you're getting all of this like feedback and everything you know that was happening wasn't. It's really, really cool. Um, but sometimes with cognito hazards, it's almost like um, a lot of subliminal messaging. And so this one is really fun because it's like recounting a field trip you didn't take. 
and and there's this phrase it repeats which is like you do not recognize the bodies in the water and every time it says that in the video it's like you get a warning from the scp foundation system being like warning you know scp scp breach detected you know warning blah 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 but the story keeps going because you're already exposed to the scp and you do not recognize the bodies in the water like it's so (laughs) cool (laughs) that reminds me of almost a audio version of the twilight zone yes 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 that kind of like like short anthology horror with like a little bit of an overarching touch yeah mm-hmm. you know I actually got to talk to a customer today about don't hug me I'm scared oh yeah <laughs> it was so cute he was like making a joke to his boyfriend because he was there for a class so it was a green name tag and he was like he really goes haha green is not a creative color and he puts it on and he starts talking to his boyfriend and his boyfriend is like looking at him like he has three heads and I was like yeah I know and he's like you know and I was like yeah green creative and he goes like ha <laughs> I was like, hoo-hoo, and the boyfriend was like, okay. <laughs> he was like, let's get to class. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> I think it's time to break away. I hope you have a good night. You too. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right after this, probably. Right, deadass. <laughs> Welcome home, Colombia. Beautiful, beautiful.